Romans chapter 8. In preparation for the message today and reading through a whole multitude of commentaries and stuff, I came across a quote about this passage of Scripture that I really, I really loved. And so I'd like to start off by sharing that with you. It comes from John MacArthur. This is what John MacArthur has to say about this particular section in Romans chapter 8. It says that the Holy Spirit is mentioned but once in the first seven chapters of Romans, but is referred to nearly 20 times in chapter 8. The Spirit is to the believer what God the Creator is to the physical world. Without God, the physical world would not exist. It has been created and is continually sustained by the omnipotent power of God. So the Holy Spirit is to the Christian. The Holy Spirit is the divine agent who creates, sustains, and preserves spiritual life in those who place their trust in Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who ultimately will bring every believer into the full consummation of his salvation by granting him eternal glory in the presence of God. This morning, we will be looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. Paul had just declared that those who are in Christ Jesus are set free from condemnation. In verses 2 and 3, he tells us how the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Then in verse number 4, he tells us how the Spirit enables us to fulfill God's righteous requirements. In our section this morning, Paul will reveal that the Spirit also changes our nature and gives us strength. So for those who are in Christ Jesus you need to understand that there is no obligation to that old nature. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live in victory today. So in this section, Paul is talking about the great difference that exists between those who are children of God and those who are children of the devil. Those are the only two options. Either you belong to God because you have submitted and surrendered your life unto Him, or you're an enemy of God because you live and you walk in darkness. In in God's eyes, there are only two kinds of people in this world. Those that belong to Him and those that don't. Paul, he, he puts it another way. He says there are those who are according to the flesh and those who are according to the Spirit. Those who are according to the flesh are the unsaved, the unforgiven, the unredeemed. But, but those who are according to the Spirit are, are, are the saved, the forgiven, the redeemed, the children of God. So in verses 5-8, through eight, Paul talks about these contrasts that exist between these two Types of people. Look at verse number 5. It says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So the first contrast 
is you either set your mind on the flesh or on the Spirit. So to set your mind on something means more than just to ponder something. It's, it's, it's deep thinking about something. It's focusing your attention on something. It, is, uh, it means the basic orientation of your life, how you're bent, what, 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 what drives you. Your, your thought pattern of your mind. And so the unsaved person does not have the, the, the mind for the Spirit of God. They're living in the flesh. And they're living for the flesh. Which means that their minds are, are centered upon the things that, that satisfy or appear to satisfy the fleshly desires. But the child of God has the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And so when the Spirit comes into our lives, then the Holy Spirit does something incredible to our human spirit. That old human spirit is changed. As a result of that change, we have a new delight. We, we have a new appetite. We have a new sense of eagerness for the things that are spiritual. And I'm telling you, if you're professing to be a believer, but you don't experience that, that delight in the Word and the will of God, if you have no appetite for the things of God, if there's no sense of eagerness for spiritual things in your life, then I would encourage you to pause and really consider whether or not you have fully submitted and surrendered your life unto the Savior. Verse 6 goes on to say, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. So those who are according to the flesh are alive physically, but they are dead spiritually. They're dead towards God. Because they're dead towards God, they do not and cannot respond to the things of the Spirit. They're dead. This verse gives a second major distinction between those who are of the flesh and those who are of the Spirit. You are either dead or you are alive. On one hand, the mind that's set upon the flesh is death. This refers to both one's present state as well as one's eternal destiny. Those who live according to the flesh are in a state of spiritual death. This is a current reality in their lives. And unless they repent and believe, not only are they currently spiritually dead, this is also their eternal destiny. Which means an eternal death in the lake of fire. But on the other hand, those who, whose minds are, are, are set on the Spirit, well, well theirs is, is life and peace. This also refers to one's present state, as well as eternal destiny. I want you to understand that at the moment of conversion, we are raised from spiritual death unto spiritual life. So let me be real clear about this reality. Eternal life is something that believers experience right here, right now. We do not wait for eternal life. Because eternal life is not something that starts the moment we die. No, eternal life 
begins the moment someone submits and surrenders their lives unto the Savior. Eternal life for the child of God is our current possession. Look what Jesus says. Go, turn with me. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. No, really, turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. Don't just take my word for it. Make sure it's really there. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in front of you. If you need a Bible, I'll buy a Bible for you. John chapter 3. Verse number 36. He says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Has. Currently possesses eternal life. Present tense. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Abides. That's also present tense. Which means, because it abides, it means it remains in the, in the same place over a period of time. Which means, if you don't belong to Christ, then God's wrath is upon you. And it will abide on you for all eternity. And so you either have life or you have death. And notice that not only have we been given life, but we've also been given peace. Back to Romans 8, verse 6 again. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So the third contrast that we see is that we are either at war with God or we have peace with God. Paul has already declared in Romans, in fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So those who are in Christ Jesus are the only ones who can experience peace with God. The reality is, if you're not in Christ Jesus, then you are hostile towards and at war with God. Did we experience peace in the, in the lives of His children? We experience peace because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven and we know that the righteousness of Jesus has been credited to our lives. Therefore, we have peace. We have peace because we know that we receive day-to-day -day care and guidance from our, from our Father. Only the children of God have peace. We have peace because Scripture declares, and we'll look at it in a few weeks, that God is looking after us and He's working all things out for our good. In Isaiah chapter 48, and again in Isaiah chapter 57, the Lord said that there is no peace for the wicked. There's no way. So you're either at war with God or you're at peace with God. You're either dead or you're alive. 
You're either in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. The fourth contrast is seen in the focus of our attention. It says that you're either pleasing, seeking after yourself, or you're pleasing or seeking after God. Verse number 8 says, And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God. Remember, to be in the flesh means that they're lost. They're, they're outside of Christ. There are those that are in Christ and those that are outside of Christ. So, so if they're in the flesh, it means you're separated from God. And so the unsaved person lives to please and to satisfy themselves, and rarely, if ever, do they truly try to please or satisfy God. Someone, you, you cannot live to, to please and satisfy yourself at the same time live your lives in full submission to the law, to the, to the Word, to the will of God. Think back to Romans chapter there Paul declares in beginning of verse number 10 Romans 3.10 he says as it is written if you ever think well, where has this been written Well, he's referring to Psalm chapter 14 as well as Psalm chapter 53 and he says as it is written there is none righteous not even one there is none who understand. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So as long as someone is in the flesh, they cannot please, satisfy, or honor God. No matter how kind, how thoughtful, or how moral they may appear to us, they cannot please satisfy or honor God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, kind of summarizes it ever so neatly. There it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to to please Him. So here's what happens. After speaking objectively about the two types of people that exist in this world, Paul now addresses his readers directly. Right? And so in verse number 9, he says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the, the ultimate test as to whether or not you are a believer or not, is, is the Spirit of God dwelling within you? And how do you answer that? That's the test. Did the Spirit of Christ dwell within you? If He does, then you belong to Him. If the Spirit doesn't, then you don't belong to Him. How do you know if the Spirit of God dwells within you? Well, it's not something that's based upon feelings. So I'm not asking you, how do you feel? I'm asking you, what does the Word say? And the Word tells us that if we submit and surrender our lives unto Him, then the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. That's God's promise. That's God's gifting to His children. And so Paul couldn't be any more clear in this passage. 
In fact, he reinforces it in the second part of verse number 9. He says, but if anyone, anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, it does not belong to him. A person cannot be related to Christ apart from having the Spirit of Christ. In verse 10, but if Christ is in you, Though the body is dead, pause, the physical body must still experience death. Unless the, the return of our Lord happens, the physical body will all experience death. Why? Well, there's the answer. Because of sin. It says, but if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive Because of righteousness. Keep going. He says, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Well, stop right here. Man, if this doesn't like get you a little bit excited, helps you to set aside that Baptist tradition out of you a little bit, makes you a little bit, amen, at this point, I don't know what will. Notice what he's saying. He says, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in you. So, so who raised up Jesus? Well, well, God raised up Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit quickened the corpse of our Savior while He was in the tomb. The Holy Spirit affected His resurrection from the grave. And listen to what Paul is saying. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If you just pause for a moment and truly consider what He just said, the same power that God used to affect the resurrection of our Lord and Savior is living within believers right now. If you're a child of God, then you have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Someone gets it. I mean, this is such great news. Do you ever think about it? I think the Holy Spirit gets less attention than it truly deserves in the life of the church today. If you belong to Him, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. One of the, my most favorite verses come from the books of, book of Acts. So go ahead and turn with me. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you don't find encouragement from this this morning, then I, I don't know what to do or what to say. What, look what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. As a child of God, you no longer have to walk around all discouraged and defeated in your life. 
Because you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, then you've been given a new nature. You have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Which means that God has given you exactly what you need in order for you to be able to withstand temptation in order for you to be able to experience victory over sin, God has given you what you need. It's the Holy Spirit. That's how we gain victory. That, that is how, the renewing of our mind, the changing of our habits, the reshaping of our desires, all because of the, the Holy Spirit. So back back to Romans, Romans 8, again. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. How amazing is this? The Holy Spirit dwells in the lives of the children of God. The same Spirit that dwells within us is the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise the body of believers from the grave. Oh, We don't have to walk around all frustrated and discouraged and defeated if we would truly understand just how richly God has blessed us as His children. He has given us His Word for us to study, to read, to review, to memorize so that we can understand His will. He's given us His Spirit so that we can walk in accordance to both His Word and His will. If you're struggling over something in your life, a sin that's continually being repeated in your life, you need to understand that you're not defeated. You have victory. Trust and rely on the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. In fact, next week we'll look at verses 12-17. through 17. And when we do, we'll discover how the Holy Spirit gives us power to put those evil deeds to death. And so let's conclude our time this morning by just looking at those verses. I'll read through them, beginning in verse number 12. It says, So then, brothers, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the practices of the body, you will live. For as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. Oh, there's so much 
meat that is packed in, that's so condensed in these few verses. We'll try to get to all of it next week, but I'm not really in a hurry. We'll see how long it takes us to get through that section. This morning, the challenge I have for you is quite simple. What side are you on? What side? There are two types of people, those that belong to God and those that don't. You're either a child of God, the Scripture says you're a child of the devil. Whose side are you on? If you're not a child of God, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would quicken that salvation in your life. That you would submit and surrender to that, confessing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. And for the children of God that are here, my challenge for all of us is to rightfully reflect upon our lives, identify the things that displease the Father, confess them, repent from them, and seek to walk in newness of life. Fortunately, we've got a little bit of time before we need to go. And we can do some of that praying and consideration right here, right now. Joel's going to come up and he's going to lead us in singing. You can sing, you can sit, you can continue praying, whatever posture of worship that is appropriate. Then, then by all means, I'll be here at the front. Other elders, Bobby and J.E., will be down here all at the front, ready to pray with you, to talk with you and to encourage you in any way that we can. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your steadfast faithfulness, Father. God, help us all to submit and surrender every aspect of our lives unto you. As we pause to give consideration over what your word has just revealed unto us, may your spirit bring conviction into our hearts and lives. And may our response bring glory unto you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.